Man, I'm going to let you turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. While you're turning there, I'd like to just lead you in a quick prayer. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be here today. Speak to us, Lord. Continue to lead us, I pray. Thank you for your presence that we feel here, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God, for how great you are, how mighty you are. I pray, Lord, continue to lead us, Lord Jesus. Let us be sensitive to you and hear your voice, God. I pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 5, verse 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Everybody say that's what he does. Um, I, I, probably not everybody feels this way, but I'll tell you how I feel. I have no problem talking about the devil, and it is not to give him any unnecessary credit uh, or undue time in conversation, but it's to expose him. I, I don't have any problem doing that. Um, in fact, the more I know about him, the easier it is to expose him. And uh, dare I say, the more enjoyable it is. Uh, he's got a place, and uh, he knows it better than anyone. But the scripture says, so be sober and vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about looking for people that he can consume, devour. That's what he does. Today I really feel like mostly what we'll share is not just what he does, but how he does what he does. How he does it. It gives us the image of a roaring lion. If, my, if, if I'm supposed to be vigilant, that means I'm watching for it. I've got to be aware of it. Well, if that lion is roaring, I'm going to be pretty aware pretty quick, right? Or at least I should be. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever seen a lion in person. If you've watched a uh, video produced by MGM, you've at least seen a lion roar because that's their logo on the video. But... In person, so where I grew up in Memphis, we have a zoo, and they actually have a big cat exhibit, and they have real lions there, and uh, so I've seen them there, and I've actually seen them. Uh, when I was a teenager, our family went to Africa, so I got to see them there, and uh, they weren't roaring in Africa, but they roar at the zoo sometimes, and I'll tell you what, when you're at that zoo, it doesn't matter what exhibit you're at, what you're looking at where in the zoo you are when the lions roar everybody hears it everybody knows because it's not a quiet thing and it's a very distinct thing now the if i know that he's he's walking about and he's doing something like a roaring lion it doesn't say you know he's hiding in the in the bushes like a jaguar it doesn't say he's creeping up on you like a tiger you know no he's a roaring lion and so he's got some distinct things that he does that if you know what they are, it should be very easy to identify. That's a lion. 
That's a roar of a lion. I'm not just going to ignore that. I'm going to identify it, know what it is, and figure out what to do about it. So he's a roaring lion. That's what he does. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm going to give you a second to turn there. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 15. This, this passage, um, it kind of talks through a few different things. Now, this is Old Testament uh, King James that I'm reading today. And if you don't pay a lot of attention to the book of Ezekiel, um, it kind of seems like you don't know who they're talking about or what they're talking about. In uh, chapter 27, it talks about a nation called Tyre, T-Y-R-E. And uh, that nation where it was at the time strategically placed to be uh, um, a harbor, so to speak, and, and much passed through that, that area. And so that chapter talks about it. And because many things were passing through, it became a channel uh, of not just good things to pass through, but it be really became a seat of evil at that time. And so influence would pass through, not just physical things, physical goods or cargo or something like that, but everything attached to it that was not always pure would also go through that. And so the Lord put a stop to uh, that area, to that town, to that influence. That's in chapter 27. The early parts of chapter 28, uh, it, it, it's, uh, the Lord says to Ezekiel, write this to, or actually I think what he says is, lament about. So say this about the prince of Tyre, or Tyre. So re, uh, say this about him, and it says a little bit about the prince, and then it says say this about the king of Tyre. Uh, Say this to him, say this about him. I want it to be written and recorded what's said about him. All right? So, let's, um, let's go to verse 12, if you will. Ezekiel 28 and 12. Son of man, that's the Lord talking to Ezekiel, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, of full, the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. You know the garden of Eden. Not many people were there, correct? In fact, I can count two people and a snake and then our pre the presence of our Lord. That's all that we know were in Eden. So it's given us a pretty clear indication it's not just talking about a physical man that sat on the throne in this area of Tyrus or Tyre, Tyre. But he says, you were in Eden, the garden of our God. Every precious stone was thy covering. And then it lists pretty much every precious stone there. I'm not going to read them all right now. But at the end it says, The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. A cherub is not a man. It's an angel. It's an angelic being. So he says, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. I have set thee so, 
Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. So this is who you were. You've done all these things. He's given us a description of what it calls the king of Tyrus. Verse 15. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day thou wast created. You were perfect when you were created because the Lord saying, because I created you. And if I created you, you're perfect. So you were, you were perfect. But even more so than most of my creation, you had many special qualities, many special identifications about you. And this is what he's doing. He's listing all of these. That was perfect in thy ways from the day thou was created till. Everybody say till. Or in our English language, we would say until. You were perfect until. A stop happened to your perfection. You were perfect till iniquity was found in thee. You were, the, you were there in the Garden of Eden. You were my most beautiful creation. I put everything good-looking in you, on you, around you. You were the cherub that covereth. So when people are looking for something, you're the cover. You're the first thing that they saw. That's how precious your appearance was. Until iniquity was found in you. If you, if you, I, I'm not going to take the time to do this, but if you go back again, like I was saying in 27 and 28, and you see that at this time when the Lord was writing was the time that that, that area of Tyrus had its influence, influence. So the Lord's saying, I'm putting a stop to the influence of this city, of this port, so to speak. And I'm also calling out the influence that has operated through the people over that area, the prince and the king. You read it one time and you might think he's talking about literal humans. You read it another time and you see, well, it kind of looks like he's talking about an angel. I want to read you this just quick description here. The king of Tyrus. It is speaking about a man. And it is also speaking about who we read about in the first verse, first Peter, the devil, about Satan. This is what happens, and it's actually talking about what happens to a man. When the man becomes completely ruled by Satan, so much so that their character and their nature becomes indistinguishable. So who is he talking to? Is he talking to the man or is he talking to Satan? He's talking to both. He's talking to the influence of Satan that's gotten into the man. That's what happens when a person is so overrun by that evil spirit that the Lord has to address the evil spirit through the channel of talking to the person in many cases such as this. But he's telling Ezekiel, his prophet, I want you to say all this stuff. And I actually want it to be written and recorded. I want to talk just a minute about iniquity. The idea, because he says you were perfect until iniquity was found in you. Iniquity is 
injustice, unrighteousness, or wrong. There's a term that's pretty synonymous with it. it. We often use the word sin in place of iniquity, and it is correct to use such, but it's also lawlessness, the absence of law, or the breaking of law intentionally. That's iniquity. So I told you at the beginning what he does. Now we're talking about how he does what he does. How this influence does what it does in the life of people. If I know that iniquity is injustice, it's lawlessness, it's, it's unrighteousness, it's that which is wrong, then the first work of iniquity, I believe, is to blur the lines of right and wrong. Not make it so easy to distinguish righteous from unrighteous, correct, incorrect. That's the, that's the first work of it, okay? I don't want you to be able to tell easily if this is right or wrong. That's what iniquity does. This is, that's, that, that's how that operation starts. Blur the lines so you can't distinguish right from wrong. You don't have to turn there, but Genesis 3 and 1, these are the first words of this adversary that's ever recorded. Genesis 1, he creates the world. Genesis 2, he creates man, puts them together. Genesis 3, it didn't take long. The serpent starts to speak. This is the influence. This is the iniquity starting to speak. What are the first words that he says? Hath God said that you can't eat of the fruit of this tree? Let's just, let's just try to blur these lines a little bit. I'm testing. This is what he does. I'm testing your understanding of the word of God. And he does it to Eve. Do you know really what God said Oh, well, yeah, he says this. Well, no, 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 no. That's not what he said, and that's not what he meant. He's trying to keep something from you. He's trying to conceal something from you that would actually be good for you. That's the work of that iniquity, blurring the lines of right and wrong. Oh, really? You think God would do that? Well... If you're willing to question it, he's willing to work in that area. I promise you. It's a test. Everybody say, it's a test. Yeah. It's a test of my knowledge of the Word of God. We just talked a little about, about these high school graduates. I promise you they didn't get where they are without some tests. Testing your knowledge. Do you know what you should know in order to graduate? We're going to test it to find out. That's the same approach that the, that the serpent took with Eve. Do you know what you should know to withstand me? I'm going to test it and find out. And honestly... I would say whatever she said, yes or no, right or wrong, that would have just been the first little introduction. 
I guess you could say the first thing that he was testing was, will she listen to me? If I say something, will she acknowledge me? Ah, think about it for just a minute. This is the first person, thing, whatever. It's the first speaking to Eve besides Adam and the Lord. She's only known two voices up to this point in her life. The voice of the Lord and the voice of Adam. The third voice. Oh, I guess we can talk to anybody now. You talk, I'll listen. This is pretty interesting. I wonder if other animals can do this. So, so he's testing, are you going to listen to what I say? Are you going to hear the sound of my voice? I may not be a roaring lion right in your face, but I'm a serpent speaking in your ear. Right, can, will you hear that? Are you listening to that sound? And then what it asks, the next question is the test. Do you know? Hath God said? Notice, he started the conversation. She did not. I got to read it real quick. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read you this verse. Uh, Genesis 3.1. Now the serpent was the most subtle of any beast of the field the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Let's just start a conversation. Uh, be careful what conversations you allow to get started in your presence. What do you think would have happened if instead of talking back to it, she would have went straight to Adam and said, guess what? There's this thing speaking to us, speaking to me. And two go together to that thing. I, 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 I don't know. I think what would have happened is the serpent would have realized this is not my day. Because there's authority here now. Proper authority channels. I can't operate that way. I'll come back later. Iniquity. It's blurring these lines. The first definition of this word iniquity, I said, is injustice. So, so true injustice is something is supposed to happen this way and it actually happens this way. That's, that's unjust. It wasn't, didn't happen the way it was supposed to. So, so if that's iniquity, then the way it's supposed to happen is the way that God said it should happen. But instead it's happening this way. Correct? First, Second um, Peter chapter 9. I'm oh, sorry, chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. I'm going to talk about this idea of injustice for just a moment. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust. The unjust. Remember, iniquity, injustice. Injustice. He knows how to reserve the unjust unto the day of 
judgment to be punished. Next verse, verse 10, it says, but chiefly or especially those that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. The Lord knows how to deliver, uh, how, how to reserve the unjust for the day of punishment, especially the ones that walk after their flesh and despise government. Everybody sees that, right? That's not just me making that up or reading from other, any other book. This is in the Word of God. Those that despise government. What is a government? Let me just ask you that real quick. Well, plain and simple it is, the ruling system in place over an area or over a person. So the ones that despise the ruling system over them, that's who this is talking about. It's getting heavy in here, isn't it? Really fast. I knew it would, but I didn't expect it quite this fast. Those that despise government. So despise means to either have disdain for, so you really, really, really don't like it, or you just don't acknowledge it. You think so little of it that you won't even give it the proper um, respect or reverence or understanding. You won't give it any of the things it actually deserves because you despise it. So those that despise, have, have little place for, think little or nothing of. I'm going somewhere, so hang with me, okay? The Lord knows how to save those for punishment. They've got a day reserved, an appointed time, where they will meet justice. And it's especially, chiefly, especially those that walk after the lust of their flesh and uncleanness. That means I just do whatever I want to do. And despise government, earthly government and authorities. If this influence, we're talking about iniquity, we're talking about how our adversary works. He works through iniquity and the influence of it. If this influence can get you to question and then ultimately despise earthly government and authority, then it will have no problem getting you to take that same attitude against a heavenly authority. Got ahead of myself. Finish the verse. Presumptuous are they. They who? Those that walk in uncleanness of following their flesh and despise government. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Dignities here is spiritual uh, being. The glory of, I think is what it actually says, the glory of spirit beings that God created. So they get so uh, okay with the idea of talking evil about earthly authority. What does this look like? 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't think anybody sees this coming, so I'm going to blindside the whole room. It starts with your view of your parents. I didn't even see that coming. I promise you, I'm as blindsided as the rest of you by that. But that's where it starts. Somebody wants to say, well, it starts when they get arrested. Or it starts when they get caught stealing or doing something or what. No. Who's the first authority you ever come in contact with in your life as a human being? It's your parents. That is where authority starts. Now, not every person that gets this far starts off back-talking mom and dad. Okay? It's not like, oh, that's the, uh, that's the bad kid. I see where this is headed for you. No, I'm just saying that's the first place of authority that a person encounters. If I have trouble with that authority, I'm going to keep having trouble with every authority. Now, I might not have any problem with that authority, but then I level up to the next. Most of us, I think, most of us, through the common course of life, the next authority we usually encounter is teachers. I almost said bosses, but I forgot about that adolescent period. So the next authority is teachers. If I had no problem with my parents and I was good with them, part of what they will probably try to instill with in me is listen to your teachers. Obey them. Now, I know not every teacher is great. Uh, that happens. We're not here to debate that fact. I will willingly admit to you that not everyone that goes into the teaching uh, idea really should be in teaching. Most of them, I think, are great. I'm thankful for that. Some of them are just looking for a job. Eh, sorry, I shouldn't have said that, probably. But, I mean, we're all looking for jobs, employment of some area, kind, right? So, if that's an avenue, some take it. My point is, the parent will try to instill into the individual proper respect for that authority. And either it took or it didn't. Or the problem was with the parents and they didn't even try to do that, so now you don't even have that leg to stand on. Either way, you're at this level of authority and how you respond to them is leading you down a path. You get there, the next level of authority, usually, should you uh, get into your teenage years and start to want some money, usually you're going to try to find some type of employment or vocation. And attached to that is usually a boss, a supervisor, a manager. Boy, I've had some, and I could tell you some stories about ones that, yes, amazingly me, I did not get along with, if you can imagine that. The elder said, I've had bosses I didn't like. Oh, help us, Lord. But you know what? I was instilled from an early stage it doesn't matter if you like them or not. Same with the parents, same with the teachers. Thank God I had parents that were okay with me not liking them sometimes. Because if they had always said, just let me do what you want me to do. I'll try to make you happy all the time. You know what I'm going to want from my teacher. You know what I'm going to want from my supervisor. 
You mean I don't get to call the shots here? No. There's this thing called authority. Now, I know I'm taking a little bit, a bit of time in this verse, but it, I'm just letting you try to see the pattern here. Because ultimately it goes from not having a problem despising government, thinking so little of, and I'm not just talking about, you know, the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about that at all, actually. I'm just talking about whatever authority system God places over you at the time of your life that it's placed there. You're either going to be okay with it, not love it, but you're going to understand proper response to it, or you will despise it. Okay? And then you get all the way to they're not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Bishop... Schoonover talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think it's on Tuesday night. You can find it uh, on our channels. He talked about the voice of insurrection. This is how it worked. He started with even started by saying, God actually wants you to not. What is he doing? He's speaking evil of God. There's another term for that all throughout the scripture. It's called blasphemy. Right? To blaspheme the Lord means saying evil things about him that are not true. <laughs> Is it any wonder the very first line of the script that we see in the Bible spoken by the serpent is blasphemy? Hath God said? I got to keep going. You see where it's headed. You see this pattern. Who was the first liar? John chapter 8. Verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. My question, who was the first liar? Well, we just kind of answered it a little bit right there, right? John 8, 44, Jesus speaking to a group of Pharisees. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. He didn't live in truth. He didn't care about truth. Because there was no truth in him. You were perfect until iniquity was found in you. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. God didn't tell him to say that. That's basically what he's saying. He's speaking of his own when he speaks a lie. For he is a liar and the father of it. Uh, soak that in really fast because that's a whole lot of information about the devil that I want you to know. He's the father of lies. When he talks, he's lying. He came up with the idea. Now go to verse 45. Jesus still speaking says, And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. There's this word again, influence. You are under the influence of the liar. So when truth is spoken, you don't believe it. You don't receive it. You don't accept it. Revelations chapter 12. I want to tell you a little story or just read it to you really. And I'm only going to hit a few highlights. Don't get nervous. 
Don't get nervous because we're turning to Revelation. Don't get nervous because I'm still speaking. Don't get nervous because of anything. I just, there's a story here in Revelation 12 that hits all the elements of the things we've already talked about today. Revelations is God took the man, John, the writer of this book, gave him visions, and actually he first said, write what you're about to see, and then he gave him these visions, and John wrote them. That's, that's what revelation is. It is the revelations of John, what he saw. Part of what he sees, and, and, and it, people, people tend to think, oh, you're talking about revelations, you're talking about the end of the world. Not necessarily. I mean, there's a lot in the book of Revelations. It just happens to be the end of the Bible. It just happens to talk about the end of the world. But it talks about a lot. It actually talks just as much about the beginning of the world as it does the end of the world. And then all throughout time. I, John, it was never said to John. I, I'm taking a little bit of time. I want you to get this. It was never said to John as the revelations are unfolding, this is what's going to happen at the end of the world. So write this so everybody can read it so they're prepared for what's going to happen at the end of the world. That is, I'm sorry, that's the attitude that most Christians take towards the book of Revelation, but no. It starts, oh, I wish I had the time. Oh, I wish I had the time to go right in, in chapter 1 because it starts with the revelation of Jesus. John sees him. And he's thinking, is that, is that who I think it is? Because John knew Jesus. He lived with him on the earth. And then he sees him in this capacity. All right. That's the background. Revelation 12 and 7. No, sorry. Really quick. Verse 1. There appeared a great wonder in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, upon her head, Crown of thorns. Sorry, crown of 12 stars. That's my skimming, not doing me very well. On her head's a crown of 12 stars. She was being with child, travailing in birth, pain to be delivered. There appeared another wonder in heaven. I saw this woman with child, and behold, a great red dragon, seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. They saw this dragon. Verse, the middle of verse 4, it says, The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. He gets this vision. There's a woman. She's about to have a baby. There's a dragon. That dragon wants to eat that baby. All right, this is Revelation, but it kind of sounds like a children's story right now. Right? John just says there was a wonder in heaven, and this is what I saw. Verse 5, she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations. Her child was caught up unto God, to his throne. The woman fled to the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God. Stay there a thousand, two hundred and three score days. Verse 7, this is where it gets interesting. There was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the red dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought against them. Verse 8, and prevailed not. This is not, okay, pause. I know, I'm trying to go as fast as I can. This is not about the Armageddon and the end of the world stuff and the dragon about to be cast, all right? No, this is at the beginning. 
the dragon and his army, his angels fell, uh, prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Verse 9, the great dragon was cast out of heaven. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out where? Where do you think he was cast out? Into the earth. This is the vision that John sees. This dragon and his angels had a war, lost the war, were kicked out of heaven to the earth. What did it say? The woman, though, it said she fled to the wilderness. Keep that in mind. They were cast out of the earth, his angels with him. Jump down to verse 12. There was, there's more in there, but I'm trying to skip to this part of the, stay with the storyline. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Why? Because he's not up here anymore. Him and all of his followers are not here anymore. So rejoice in heaven. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Why? For the devil has come down unto you, and he's not happy, having great wrath. Why? Because he knows that his time is short. The last thing you want to do is talk to a person right after they lose a game. That is the worst version of them you will ever meet. Now, he just lost, and it wasn't a game. It was his creation. He lost it, and he is mad. And he's in this realm, cast to the earth. The angels know, oh boy, they are in for it down there because that's where he was sent to, and he's not going to give up. In fact, He's about to start his work there. He knows that his time is short. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought, brought forth the child. Okay, now we know they're in the same realm again. Correct? He persecutes the woman that I wanted that child, but I couldn't get it. So now I'm going to go after you because you happen to be in front of me. Verse 17. And the dragon was wroth, angry with the woman, went to make war with the remnant of her seed, all the other children, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was after that firstborn, but I didn't get it. So at least what I can do is make havoc for all the rest, all the brothers, all the sisters, those that obey God. I'm going for them. Go over to chapter 13, verse 3. I'm trying to close. I, I, I only got a couple of verses left. Chapter 13, verse 3. I saw... One of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed. This is a beast that he's seeing coming out of the ocean. All the world wondered after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, 
which gave power to the beast. Something happened in this transpiring of time, the end of chapter 12 and the start of chapter 13, where these people thought the dragon was terrible and he's there to fight them. And then he does something and, oh, yay, that was pretty good. And now he's, they're worshiping the dragon, which gave power to the beast. And they worshiped the beast, saying, who's like unto them? Verse 5, there was given to him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. We've mentioned that word. He had a mouth, he started to speak, and what came out was blasphemies. And power was given to him to continue 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme against God, to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, them that dwell in heaven. This is what he says. These are, this is how he talks. Verse 8, my last verse here. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. I know that was really, really quick, and that's, I'm trying to give you the synopsis. But that is from the time Lucifer was still in heaven to the time he was kicked down to the earth to the time his influence is allowed to rule in the earth. Just like that. I mean, you look at a calendar and it's 2,000 years. That seems like a long time. More than that, really. But I just read it all in about five minutes. That's how, that's how much power he operates with to deceive. My last verse, James chapter 4, verse 7. I, 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 we see what he does. We get an idea of how he does it. My question then is, what do we do? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I want to, okay, I don't know how many times I get to say I'm almost done, but I promise I am. Brother Hart, why don't you help me for a second? I'm going to try to give you a visual picture of what I think most people think as resisting the devil. Good news, in this play, you get to play the role of Satan. All right. Pretend he's the devil. I'm going to try to give you what I think a lot of people see as resisting the devil. You just walk after me. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's coming for me. I'm resisting him. Am I really resisting him? I know. Let me do it again. I'm going to give you the visual of what it actually means to resist the devil. Same thing, but this is what it really means. Just come after me again. Stop! That's resisting. You can be seated. That's what it means to resist. Not, oh no, I hope he doesn't get me. That's hide. That's cower. That's what he wants you to do. 
He will play chase as long as you live. I promise you. I know my time is short, but I got about 70 years to kill if you just want to try to keep walking away from me. But the moment you realize, no, what I'm actually supposed to do, if I really want him to flee, is resist him. There's another translation that actually puts it this way. Make war against the devil and he will run from you. Is this making war? Ah, oh, don't get me. It's not the team I want to fight on. You can stand. I'm coming to a close now. You know, what, you, you know who he is. You know what he does. You get an idea of how he does it. His ultimate goal is to deceive you enough that you can be destroyed. He can't destroy you, but he can deceive you enough that you will be destroyed. So he tries to deceive. He tries to deceive. He tries to put voices influences in our lives that if I listen to them I will be deceived and thereby destroyed what did he do with Job I'm going to send this at him I'm going to send this at him I can't kill him I wish I could just kill him but I can't so I'm going to make his life miserable I'm going to make I'm going to, I'm going to plague him with this I'm going to inflict him with this I'm going to take away family members I'm going to take away possessions all that the Lord allowed him to do why? Because the Lord knew He loves me. He obeys me. He serves me. He serves me. And therefore, He cannot serve another. You try to come against Him. And every time you see that in the picture, the devil goes back to the Lord. The Lord is kind of like, How'd it go today? I can't get to him because you've got your hand on his life. Thank the Lord for that. Try this area. Okay, great. I'll try it. Did it work? No, I can't get to him because you still got your hand on his life. I, that is the grace of God on us. His covering on us. If we allow it to work, it will prevent the attacks of the enemy. If we don't allow it to work, and instead we focus on the attacks of the enemy, we lose. Every eye close for a moment. Come on, I want you to pray to the Lord. I believe the Lord is helping us today. God, I believe in your word. I believe every verse, Lord Jesus. I believe in the leading of your spirit, O oh God, and your hand that's upon each life. Father, I pray right now the covering of your spirit upon my life, upon each life, Lord Jesus. God, into your hands we commend ourselves. 
We place our lives in your hands, Father, because I know that you care. I know that you are able to keep me. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to open these altars right now. I'm going to ask you if you want to come and stand before the Lord and pray. I believe he's here to help us today. He's going to empower us with his grace and with his spirit. Come on. The scripture says, thereby you can stand against the wiles of the enemy. Put on the whole armor of God that you can withstand the attacks of the enemy. He's after you. I promise. I'm not trying to scare you today, but I'm letting you know this is his goal for each one to destroy the life, to take the life and the promise that God has for each life and to destroy it. God, I want to be able to withstand. I want to be able to withstand in the day of attack, Lord Jesus. God, I am resisting right now, resisting the influence, resisting the influence, causing it to stop, Lord. Not just trying to run away from it or hide from it, but I'm standing against it right now in the name of Jesus. I'm standing against it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray. I know the Lord's working here right now. He wants to do many works in our lives. Surrender yourself to the Lord in prayer. Surrender yourself to the Lord in prayer. if you need to pray it pray Lord reveal to me influences in my life that are not of you reveal to me God show it to me so I know which things to stop so I know which things to put an end to to get out of my life Lord Jesus reveal them to me oh God and I will resist against them reveal them to me Lord by the work of your spirit and I will stand against them in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray against the evil influence that tries to come against your people. God, I speak a word against it right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I declare victory right now in Jesus' name. I declare victory over the influence of the enemy. I speak it right now in Jesus' name. We want to walk in victory, oh God. We want to live in victory, a place of being an overcomer. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Yes, God. Yes, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Can we keep going? No, 
sometimes the first step is to recognize who authority, who's the authority. Hallelujah. Jesus, you are king. Jesus, we require your authority in this house this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you want to resist the devil, if you want to resist your flesh, if you want to resist that influence from the world, you got to take it right now. Resistance from alcohol, resistance from drug abuse, resistance from anger, resistance from perversion. In the name of Jesus, that's all bound in that name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In your holy name, we submit it to you. If you got anything to submit to him, right now is the chance. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on. God's talking to some people this morning. God's wanting to make way in this place. God's wanting to move in someone's hearts. God, I pray you invoke a response from our hearts this morning. Reveal to us what's causing separation from you. Reveal to us what you don't want in our hearts. Anything that's been put into our heart, I pray, is be surrendered unto you. Come on, church. There's stuff that's in our heart that's not supposed to be in there. Has anybody recognized it this morning? Whatever you need to do, you can whisper it. You don't have to say it out loud. We could commit our lives this morning. We could commit our hearts this morning. Come on. Whatever is bound in heaven could be, I mean, whatever is bound on earth could be bound in heaven too, church. Anybody feel that? something else we need to work on as well that we need to forgive ourselves for listening to these voices of influence instead of our heavenly father anyone want to give that up this morning come on god is here jesus is here he's surely to forgive us but we need to forgive ourselves first someone want to forgive themselves Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I forgive myself for anger. Come on. I forgive myself for perversion. Come on. I forgive myself for wrath. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God wants you to release that to him this morning. I don't know who's feeling this, but someone needs to release it to him. Release that voice. Sometimes you gotta envision it just leaving. Sometimes you gotta vision it just just not hearing it anymore sometimes you just gotta vision God's light just shining into your heart and mind and accepting him and his forgiveness mm. 
next step would be having faith that this is all taking place right now having the faith that you will have the victory it's like brother joel said the devil is under your heel the devil is under jesus's heel amen god is working in this place hallelujah hallelujah your voice, oh God. We seek your truth, oh God. Can we give him a hand clap this morning, church? He is just, he will forgive us. That right there is a sign of your faith, that he is going to forgive us. That he is going to work on our lives. Amen. God, you are good. Amen. Can we just, can we turn our hearts to the Lord for just a moment? A moment more here this morning. Jesus, we thank you, Father. Thank you for your word today that exposes the efforts, the attempts of the enemy in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we submit unto you today, God. We submit to you today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. in the book of 2 Thessalonians. It's speaking of the day when Satan, in the form of possessing the Antichrist, will try to set himself up in this place of being the ruler of the world. He's going to try to set up a throne on earth. And there's going to be all these people that will, that will out of fear and just bow to him and submit to him and it talks about the the power of the church that resisteth and that withstands and withholds that spirit from manifesting in the world but what it also goes on to say is that the mystery of iniquity is already at work in the world and so we know that the Antichrist himself is not here yet in the physical form, but his spirit is working already. And it's a powerful scripture there. I think it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. You can read it later. But it talks about those, and it's such a, such a convicting verse because it talks about those going away and going astray and it says the reason for it is because they didn't have a love for the truth. And you, you all have been here. How many times in the last year have we talked about the truth, the spirit of truth, being led by truth, loving truth? 
And that is, that's really is, I believe, the thing that the enemy is fighting against most in this end time is truth. Anything that is absolute, anything that is clearly defined and outlined in Scripture, the spirit of the enemy is trying to come against. You see it in the LGBTQ movement and all these, these gender transformations that in total contrast with the Word of God. And what is it? It's the spirit of the Antichrist coming and saying, that's not truth. This, well, you can have this blurred line, <laughs> do this thing. The only way we, we can resist that is by submitting to truth, by loving truth. I don't believe you can su submit to something or someone that you don't love. You're not always going to agree with them. I love Elder's example of parents because I love my parents, but some of the things that they've made me do, <laughs> I haven't always enjoyed. But I can look back over my life and see that the results, so many of the results of where I am and how I've been kept been because of that submission. And the same is going to be true for us through the end time. Amen. Can we just thank the Lord one more time this morning? Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your truth today, Father. We submit to it. We stand on it, Jesus. We stand on your word that is truth. And we resist every spirit of error. We resist every spirit, Jesus, of iniquity and of the Antichrist that would try to come against the truth that you have established. In the name of Jesus, we stand upon your word, Father, in this hour, in these end times. And we will share the word with boldness, Jesus, with the world that is blinded, with the world that is confused as the enemy has blinded them. I pray, Father, that you'd give us a confidence in you. Give us a boldness in you, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, and we give you all the glory. We put you in your place, Father, upon the throne, upon the throne of our hearts, of our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. We're all dismissed today. Have a blessed Sunday. Love you. And we'll see you on Tuesday night. Amen.